0: What's going on, guys? Welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Friday, October 28th, 2022. I am Graham G. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great week so far. It is not often we record on Fridays, though we've made two exceptions in recent weeks just due to scheduling conflicts. Um, I I think R.J. we couldn't record on Thursday a few weeks ago for whatever reason. R.J. wasn't available. Uh, Today he was going to join me. Our schedules just couldn't match up. I lost track of time. I was away this week up until yesterday in California, specifically for Disneyland and Anaheim. Had an amazing time. So Um, R.J. will not be joining us this week. We do have an exclusive interview with Cora Jade from last week, from before Halloween Havoc, as you'll soon tell from our interview. Um, just audio, it aired on the YouTube channel last week. If you haven't already caught it, please do so. Went live before Halloween Havoc um, last Saturday on the YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash WrestleRant, so check that out when you get a chance. Uh, but you're going to hear it today here on the show, like I mentioned. We're talking all you know all about Halloween Havoc, her current character development, getting to WWE, being so young in NXT, and so much more. So, uh, great chat with Cora coming soon. But yeah, it's been a uh, wild month here on the show as far as uh, you know when we can record and stuff like that. I know RG, he's actually going to be in Disney World in a couple of weeks, um, either next week or the week after. So uh, yeah, I'm going to be flying solo again soon, and I do miss Mr. Marceau already. We have a lot to discuss when we do reunite, either next week or the week after. His birthday's coming up soon. I'll be at Rampage tonight, actually, too. So i got to put the show out quickly before I head to Rampage in uh, Mohegan Sun here in Connecticut. Uh, should be a fun time for that, for that as well. But, um, yeah, if you want to check out new episodes of the show, you can do so every single Thursday, usually, like I said. If, if not Thursday, then Friday. It's been a uh, crazy last couple of weeks. Every single Thursday or Friday at WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Podbean. Uh, we're up on Amazon Music and Pandora as well. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss a new episode every single week. And yeah, like I mentioned before, Disneyland was great. Um, I've been to Disney World several times over the course of my life. I have not been in over five years. I was there last in June of 2017. Um, That was the last time I was there in Florida. I'm on the East Coast, obviously, so that one's a lot more accessible. But this trip that I went on with my brother this past week, we were actually supposed to go on two and a half years ago. And literally, it was booked for March 13th. Now, if that date specifically or around that date sounds familiar, that was because when COVID really first broke out here in the U.S., we already had COVID here in the country. But when it really became a serious concern, shit shut down, everything closed, including our vacation. And I was fine with it at the time. It actually worked out for the better because Avengers Campus was not yet open at that point, and it was going to reopen in July of that year. Or really, not reopen, but open for the first time, and then. Um, I think it was going to open originally in April, then COVID happened, closed down, we were going to go again in July of that year, but obviously COVID was still running rampant, still very much a a serious concern, and we rescheduled the trip for a later date. Now, we didn't book it for October of 2022 at the time, but we just kind of sat on it, we had free credits to use whenever we wanted. And it worked out to go this past week. And we also wanted to go during Halloween season. Disneyland does it very big for Halloween. I I think Disney World probably does something similar. Um, Like re-theming of the Guardians ride. It's a small world, which was not open when we went out that we would go on it anyway. But um, Haunted Mansion, for obvious reasons, that was awesome. So uh, yeah, I mean, it was a really, really fun time. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm a big Disney nut, as I am with wrestling and Star Wars and Avengers and Three of the four of those things are at Disney World. So if they were to ever buy WWE and made a WWE park or a WWE ride, it would probably truly be the happiest place on earth for me personally. But uh, no, it was a great time. I was able to stay tuned in with the shows. Um, this did not happen while I was away, but we will talk Halloween Havoc here today after the Corgine interview from last Saturday. Just give, my, just give my quick thoughts on that show. And we will also talk Raw and Dynamite from this past week. Those were the only two major shows I caught. I have yet to watch the dark shows, I haven't watched NWA yet, I haven't caught Impact yet, I did watch, or even NXT um, on Tuesday, I did catch Raw, and I did catch Dynamite, not live, but after the fact, and I thought both shows were good, for uh, different reasons, Uh, Raw was very, you know, I wouldn't say completely boring show, pretty lifeless, the crowd, the dead crowd did not help, Um, I'll get to that in a little bit, but I I didn't dislike the show as much as other people did, so we'll get into that momentarily. And Dynamite overall I thought was a solid show as well with uh, two noticeable developments as far as MJF goes and the Elite as well and an update on their current whereabouts when they'll be back, hopefully soon, and uh, an update on this whole CM Punk situation because a lot of stuff has happened with the whole CM Punk uh, drama in the last week since we last spoke here on the show, so more on that later as well. In the meantime, enjoy my exclusive interview with NXT Superstar ahead of Halloween Havoc from last week, Cora Jade. Coming up on Saturday, Halloween Havoc, October 22nd from NXT, live on Peacock. It's going to be a card full of tricks, treats, surprises, including Roxanne Perez and Cora Jade in the Weapons Wild match. We're speaking to Cora Jade today. Cora, what's going on? How are you?
1: Hey, I'm great. How
0: are you? Doing excellent. I'm looking forward to this match. I'm looking forward to the show. I know Halloween Havoc has been around in NXT form for a few years now. You were part of NXT last year for Halloween Havoc, but not on the card itself. You're on the show this year. How does that feel for you?
1: It feels great, you know. Halloween is one of my favorite holidays, and uh, definitely wanna, October is definitely my sort of vibe, so I'm excited to be on and show the world what Roxanne Perez and Cora Jade have in store.
0: Are we looking forward to any sort of costume at all? I mean, this is obviously a grudge match coming up on Saturday. Your original match was a heat wave two months ago, or is it going to be all seriousness come Saturday? No costumes, no Halloween stuff at all?
1: You know, I'm all business for this match. Obviously, it's been a long time coming. Um, Roxanne and I have quite a bit of history. But with that being said, there will always be some sort of surprise in store, so you'll have to stay tuned Saturday night
0: for that. All right, exciting stuff. Well, I would go so far as to say this is probably not only the biggest match of your career coming up on Saturday, but the biggest week of your career. I mean, you're going to be on this NXT Live special on Saturday, but to backtrack a little bit, we're speaking on Thursday, but on Tuesday, you faced Raquel Rodriguez on NXT, a SmackDown superstar. And the night before that, on Raw, you were live on the show backstage. Courting Rhea Ripley to face Roxanne Perez on Tuesday. So just, I know we're in the middle of it now. We're not at Saturday yet. Can you talk a little bit about how this week has been for you? Just growing up a fan and now kind of living it, being on NXT and, and Raw and everything else this past week.
1: Yeah, it's definitely been a busy week, Um, but yeah, like like you just said, I grew up a fan, so to be on Raw is absolutely incredible. Um, Obviously, I got to go there and recruit Rhea Ripley to be my poison for Roxanne Perez. Um, I watched Rhea for a while before I got here. I think she's incredible, and that's why I chose her, and clearly she was the right choice considering she's the one who took down Roxanne Perez for me, but yeah, that was super cool. And then to be able to come um, back on Tuesday and work with Raquel, obviously we also have a bit of a past. Mm -hmm. Um, I learned from her as a partner, as well as an opponent. Um, So it was great to be able to work with her again. Um, But yeah, core Jade always comes out on top.
0: We're going to look forward to that on Saturday when you take on Roxanne Perez. But talking about that Raw experience just for a second, I know we saw you in the show very briefly backstage with Rhea leading to what we saw on Tuesday, like you said. But was there anything you were able to pick up from that experience being at Raw on Monday? Was that your first time backstage at a show as a talent, as a superstar? Just talk about that a little bit.
1: I did a SmackDown Dark match a few, maybe about a year ago, Mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of my first experience. I was with Dakota Kai, which is another one of my favorite opponents, um, one of my favorite people to work with. She's great. Um, That was my first time, but, excuse me, this was my first time on the actual um, show on USA Network on Raw, so that was. That was pretty cool. And um, I got to see Mustafa Ali, who I haven't seen in a while. Him and I um, trained together back in Chicago. Oh, nice. um, Before all this. So it was great to see him. And he's doing great as well. And it was, yeah, it was a great experience overall just to be able to um, sit in the back and watch um, everybody who is levels above me right now and just be able to learn from them and see how it all works up there and hopefully one day I'll be right there with them
0: yeah and just on a bigger scale talking about your journey so far in WWE just signing in early 2021 correct you haven't even made it a full two years in WWE right
1: correct my um, debut match was in the Dusty Classic in January of 2021 so it'll be coming up on two years here um, just shortly after my 22nd birthday, so...
0: That's crazy. It's been,
1: it's been a crazy two years, but um, I wouldn't have had it any other way.
0: That's wild. Did you think that sh- so shortly after signing with WWE, obviously the dream job for everyone getting into the business, that you would be on TV as quickly as you were and now just being a featured player on NXT, or is that something you expected expect to happen as quickly as you did?
1: Um, Obviously, that's, that's always the goal, I think, mm-hmm. um, but I feel like my... My whole career in wrestling, I guess from the second I kind of started training, I kind of had a had a vision of exactly what I wanted it to be and how I wanted it to go. And I'm very into like law of attraction, like manifestation, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I feel like obviously I'm very lucky and, and I got I worked very hard and a lot of people helped me along the way. But this is kind of exactly how I had envisioned my career going just because I was so passionate about it um, from such a young age but yeah it is obviously you never know when you're going to get the chance um, and get your time to shine I definitely didn't expect it to be um, so soon and so quick but I'm very grateful that it um, is and I'm learning so much that like I I signed here at 1920 so just yeah. um, to, to start so young and be around every everyone here at the PC um, there's just so much knowledge and like I, I couldn't have it I couldn't be any more luckier to be in this position.
0: Yeah, and not just signing as young as you did, but being as good as you are already at this point is wild. I mean, both you and Roxanne, both, obviously. I know she's your rival come Saturday, but for both you guys to be as young as you are and to be as good as you are already is crazy. And I know even before you showed up in WWE, we had seen you a few times in other promotions. We saw you on Dark a couple of years ago. Were those kind of appearances were what led to the WWE opportunity, or was it kind of already in the works well before that? Like, what was the point that you first heard back from WWE that kind of started... Of the process in you signing there,
1: um, obviously WWE was always my goal mm-hmm. um, when I was growing up. Just I always wanted to be at WWE, and I knew that no matter what I had to do to get there, I was going to have to work my way up through different companies, through wherever. But WWE was always the end goal, and um, yeah, I had my I started training when I was around 15, 16 Had my first match at seventeen, coming up on four years in December. Um, so it's just been a it's been a crazy ride, and I just to be able to, I've worked with so many people in so many different places and it definitely helped me get to where I am today. Um, but yeah, it just, it took a lot of, a lot of traveling, a lot of just working for $20, just doing all this stuff that I knew I had to do to get here. So this was always the goal, but there was definitely, I think I started kind of picking up steam in my independent career around like summer of twenty. 2020 Mm -hmm. i think um like during the COVID era because there was like not a lot of opportunities obviously because a lot of places shut down um during the pandemic and not a lot of wrestling places were running so it was kind of everyone fighting for a spot and just clawing my way up and i just knew i wanted to get here so um yeah summer of 2020 i kind of started getting a lot more bookings and then um i got an email for my tryout in like, the beginning of October, and my tryout was at the end of October, so I kind of had two weeks to prepare for that, and it was the craziest experience of my life.
0: So are we coming up on the two-year anniversary of your tryout, or is that already passed?
1: The two-year anniversary of my tryout is actually on Halloween, so wow. it's kind of a full circle moment coming up
0: here. Not on Halloween, You're having your match on Saturday, that's pretty cool. Yes. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. I mean, just considering the journey you've had so far, and usually it's the other way, kind of the other way around as far as, like, when the pandemic hit, a lot of bookings got shut down and stuff like that, like the independency, you and know, I don't want to say died, but it definitely slowed down from what it was you know, prior to that point, point. and obviously it led to the biggest opportunity of your career, and here you are now in WWE, so it's pretty cool to kind of see the way that it worked out, but like I said, with this match with you and Roxanne coming up on Saturday, both of you guys just so young, and there's a lot of youth right now in NXT, including a lot of people that we haven't seen on TV yet that have yet to arrive, does that kind of, I don't want to say sense of belonging, but does that kind of make you feel better like, it's not like years ago where we had some people that were young and they were like um, among among the minority I guess would be the right way to say it. as far as like that's it feels like the majority of talent right now in NXT are on the youthful side and you're not like the uh, uh I don't know what the right word would be but you're not in the minority as far as like there's a lot of people on the younger side so seeing other people that are 19, 20, 21, 22 so on and so forth in NXT right now does that more is that more like encouraging for you as far as like you don't feel out of place on on a brand such as NXT?
1: yeah, I think it's it's definitely great that they're they're bringing in a lot more um, you know younger athletes, and it gives so much time for like everyone to grow. Um it is pretty cool to see all these new younger talent coming in. Um, obviously, I think when I first came in, it's it's intimidating coming in when you know there's a lot of people who've been doing this a lot longer than you, and you know, Obviously, all these people I looked up to, so it was, it's cool and scary at the same time, but I think I've always been confident in my abilities, no matter my age, um, but it is cool to see all these new people coming in, and, and now I'm kind of at the point where I'm kind of one of the ones who've been wrestling longer, or is like one of the, like I'm in the top, I feel like people who have been doing this for a while, and mm-hmm. now there's people coming in who aren't as experienced, so it's really cool to be able to kind of force myself to grow as a leader, and, um, like, work with the newer newer girls who I'm going to be working with, you know, for the next upcoming years. so even though I haven't been doing this as long as, you know, somebody like Raquel or everyone up on Raw SmackDown, I think I have um, been enjoying being able to help, like, help teach the younger people who are coming in and haven't had wrestling experience, like, what it's all about. It's just been a lot of fun for me, and to be able to grow with them, like, working with um, some of the more inexperienced talent has definitely helped me grow as a wrestler, as a performer, just like overall, like my knowledge of the business, I think has just been evolving so much like because of all this. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great.
0: Yeah, no, I think a lot of fans can relate to your journey as well, just having only been wrestling for the last couple of years. But it, it's cool to see. It's a lot like with Indy Hartwell, I know, as well. Obviously, her story's pretty well documented as far as that Bailey sasha match from Brooklyn and TakeOver several years ago being the uh, catalyst for getting her into WWE and whatnot. I feel like the same thing is for you and Roxanne and people like that. We're kind of entering an age now as someone who's been watching myself since, like, 08, which is kind of cool that we're in a generation now that you guys started watching in, like, the mid-2000s. Like, you talked to someone that started... 10 years ago, they grew up on Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, not that you obviously didn't, but you kind of grew up in the era of the PG era, so to speak, of WWE, like the AJ Lees and people like that, like, it's kind of surreal now, and you're kind of working under Triple H and Shawn, not under from, like, the original DX, but, I mean, I could be wrong, but maybe you can relate in in watching DX in that 09 version of, of, of the group, or maybe even a little bit later, like, I feel like we're finally entering that generation, which is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's definitely crazy. Um, because I started, I believe I started, <clears throat> I started watching when I was about eight, so that was like 2009. Mm-hmm. And like the first match I really remember, like getting me into wrestling, and like the first big match I ever really saw was um, the first Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels
0: WrestleMania match. Oh wow, that's is- awesome still one of my favorite matches to this day, but it's definitely crazy
1: with that being like the match I consider that got me into wrestling now to be able to call Shawn Michaels, my boss (laughs) um, and triple H as well. It's obviously insane, but yeah, it's, I, I'm so grateful to be able to work with these people who I grew up watching because I idolized them and they were so much larger than life. And I'll still walk into work on Tuesdays and I'll see Shawn Michaels. And I'm like, this is is my boss. Like, this is the craziest thing.
0: (laughs) <laughs> it's wild not only that too having him be your boss but someone like Natalia who obviously grew up as one of your favorites as well being able to work with her earlier this year on NXT everything just kind of coming full circle in that sense and it's just again crazy to see the journey that you've had already with people like that and I feel like with our generation as well I mean obviously I'm not a wrestler but as far as like wrestling and like social media you grew up in the era where you were on social media as a wrestling fan before getting into the WWE business now like do you feel like you kind of have an advantage in that respect because wrestling fans can be very divisive might be the right word as far as like they're one one week they're on your side the other week if you mess up one thing they're completely against you do you kind of know how to like uh, navigate those waters as someone who's been on the other side of that as a fan now being in WWE.
1: Yeah, um, obviously, um, wrestling fans can be very wishy-washy, as you know, for any I think any business. But it's it's very fun to experiment with what people like and what they don't like, and just seeing all the reactions and the feedback is definitely sometimes it's it's tough criticism. But you know, I obviously was a wrestling fan, and there were things that I would watch, and I'm like, oh, I really like that, or I really don't like that, and, like, it just made me either love the product so much more, or sometimes this, sometimes there'd be a week where I'm like, no, I wanted this person to win, or why are they doing this, mm-hmm. but I think it's cool now to be on the other side of it, and you kind of see why certain things are the way that they are, like, how things operate, but, yeah, it's definitely crazy, I was running, like, an AJ Lee fan page, <laughs> Shield fan page, and I was, like, in middle school on Twitter, so it's funny now when people bring that up, and, like, I see other, like, younger girls who are kind of doing that same thing now, and I am on the other end of it, and it's just crazy to me because I still don't, I don't feel any different. Like, I still feel like that kid who, like, still loves wrestling, and, like, I'm still a fan, and I hope I never lose that, but it's definitely crazy to be on the other side of it and inspiring as
0: well. Yeah, no, it's awesome, especially as someone, like I said, as a fan, too, to see someone go from that to where you are now in WWE. It's almost like a W for the fans, too, like, seeing where you started to where you are now, and obviously your journey's only just begun, and we're gonna see you be more successful in the future. Uh, but someone like Indy Hartwell as well, starting on kind of like that wrestling Twitter, so to speak, and then to get where you are now is awesome, so it's, it's very encouraging to see for fans. But last question for you, Cora, as we head into Halloween Havoc on Saturday, is what we're seeing right now from Cora Jade on NXT TV, the closer to the actual you, Or is that a bit of a stretch from who you are in real life and you're just nailing this character right now? I feel like you're doing such a great job, but just talk about that character evolution and and how you've kind of found your footing with it in recent months.
1: You know, it's kind of crazy because I feel like sometimes in, in wrestling, it works different. It's like what you are closest to is more like uncomfortable and you kind of have to step out of your comfort zone because I feel like maybe I don't speak for everybody, but at least myself and I know like a lot of my friends in the business were all kind of like, come from the same like quiet introverted like nerdy like kind of vibe like that and I feel like we're all just into the kind of same stuff and we're all like little introverted weirdos so to <laughs> kind of be be larger than life on a on a different stage you have to be something like bigger than yourself and I feel like when I came in as a baby face um I was a lot more more myself as in like i'm just a fan and i'm just so happy to be doing this Mm -hmm. and i love this and i just i'm happy to be here and i just want to keep going as far as i can go so i feel like that was definitely more closer to the real me because every day i walk in i'm still just a fan um but to now kind of be on the other end of it it's it's definitely a lot more i feel like I'm more creative in this in this role because I have to kind of force myself to be more out of the box yep. and have to kind of dig deeper and find, like, those inner feelings that make me feel this type of core of Jade. So um, there's definitely aspects of the real me in both. Um, I think this one, this role is just a little bit more having to dig through the deeper layers of myself and that's when I you do the first version
0: that's great no, and that's when you do your best work and that's what we're going to see on Saturday as well in this match like I said you're killing it right now Cora we're going to see you take on Roxanne Perez in this Weapons Wild match on Saturday NXT Halloween Havoc 8pm Eastern Time on Peacock thanks again for the time Cora this was awesome obviously people can check you out on Twitter as well at CoraJade WWE and like I said keep killing it you're killing it for the fans as well we're all very happy to see you succeed and we're looking forward to seeing you uh succeed years in the future on the WWE main roster as well
1: thank you so much and thank you for having me um, I'm very excited for Halloween Havoc this upcoming Saturday on Peacock the Generation of Jade will take over Roseanne Perez.
0: Thanks to Cora Jade for the time. Great time chatting with her. She did fall short, unfortunately, in her match with Roxanne Perez last Saturday at Halloween Havoc, but it was a good match. Um, Overall, speaking of Halloween Havoc, I thought it was an enjoyable event. We won't do a full in-depth analysis of the show here, um, just to kind of run down the results quickly. Um, I did catch it, not live, but after the fact last Saturday. I actually saw Black Adam with a friend, and uh, Black Adam was good. I would uh, certainly recommend checking it out with uh, The Rock in the lead role, of course. But, uh... Overall, I enjoyed Halloween Havoc. Um, I did not think it was as strong as the last two installments of the show, which were a television special for NXT. Um, But we did open the show with a fatal five way ladder match to crown a new NXT North American champion. Wesley topping Carmelo Hayes, Oro Mensa, Nathan Frazier, and Von Wagner, and an excellent match. Wesley is someone I've been looking forward to seeing break out for a while. And it appeared they were headed in that direction earlier this year when Nash Carter got fired and MSK was no more. And he's been doing his own thing for a few months now. But for whatever reason, they just didn't pull the trigger on him until now, which is fine. It was worth the wait. Um, He got a good reaction when he won. A well-deserved victory for Wesley, as we all kind of expected him to. But I'm glad they went with the obvious choice here because, you know, there were a few other good choices in the match. Frazier, Mensa, both great. Von Wagner, not so much. He's fine at this point. Uh, Carmelo Hayes is also a star as well, but it's on to bigger and better things for Carmelo Hayes. Now, I have not yet watched. I have not yet watched NXT from Tuesday, as they mentioned earlier. So maybe he will be next in line for. An NXT championship opportunity, maybe he's main roster bound, I don't know. He could be on SmackDown tonight, for all we know. Um, I'm not exactly sure. I'm not watching the show live, as I mentioned, I will be at Rampage, but it's very possible he shows up on SmackDown tonight in teams with Hit Row in that six-man tag team match as they're advertising a mystery partner, but I thought this was great. Apollo Crews beat Grayson Waller in a casket match. It was solid um I thought they did a good job with the stipulation I'm not always a big fan of casket matches I think the ones in AEW have actually been better than any of the ones I've seen in WWE in recent years um I mean we haven't seen any in recent years actually but in the last 10 years I'll say Um, but I thought that was fine Roxanne Perez versus Cora Jade in the weapons wild match which I mentioned earlier as we were talking about with Cora um, was also enjoyable you know kind of Lacked a little intensity at certain points, but I thought they worked well together, all things considered. Had a good match. Um, Lash Legend interrupting Shotzi and Quincy Elliott. You know, less said about that, the better. Julius Creed and Damon Kemp had an ambulance match, which I thought was actually very good. Um, The feud has been far better than it really has has had any right to be. And they worked well together. Again, made the most of the stipulation. And uh, had a a very good match with the right person going over. I didn't think Kemp would win to break up the Creed brothers. That would have been dumb. And then we also had Mandy Rose defeating Alba Fire to retain the NXT Women's Championship. Now, this started in a haunted house earlier in the show, a la Cameron Grimes versus Dexter Loomis two years ago on TV, the Halloween Havoc show. This was similar to that. The haunted house aspect was cool. The match itself, not so much. It was as lame as their match from earlier this year. So, Alba Fire, Kaylee Array, whatever you want to call her, is great. I'm not sure if it's just a lack of chemistry because Mandy Rose has also improved in the ring during this reign of hers as NXT Women's Champion. So I wouldn't even put the blame entirely on her either. It just wasn't a great match. And the interference in the end was lame, predictable, and just not good. And then the main event of the show, Braun Breaker successfully defending the NXT Championship against Ilya Dragunov and JD McDonough. And an absolute banger. I thought these three killed it. Uh, Dragunov and McDonough are both terrific athletes. Uh, McDonough isn't everyone's cup of tea I understand Um, you know he did not take the pin here which was interesting I thought Ilya Dragunov wouldn't be that's why they did a three I'm like I'm thinking why is McDonough in the match because we've already seen Breaker beat McDonough a few months ago at Heatwave or whatever show that was. I think it was Heatwave they already did that match two months ago so why are they running it back now unless they're building the Breaker versus McDonough again one-on-one and McDonough wins the title Um, I wouldn't necessarily do that though Dragunov is awesome I would much rather see Dragunov and Breaker for the first time one-on-one than McDonough and Breaker again one-on-one, but this was still a great match and one of the best matches that uh, Breaker has had so far as NXT champion, I would say. Great match. So Overall, it was a good show. Uh, Not a great show, not a bad show, not an average show. I I enjoyed the show, Um, a slightly above-average show for NXT. Not one of their strongest specials. Um, I thought Worlds Collide might have been a better show overall, but this was still good stuff and... You know, they don't have to go overboard with the stipulations, I'll say that much. I feel like they kind of go overboard with, like, the casket matches and the haunted houses and ambulance match. I mean, some of this stuff just isn't necessary. It's like their fucking version of Extreme Rules, but, you know, overall, all things considered, I did enjoy the event, and we'll see where they go going forward. Now, as I mentioned, they they probably set some stuff up going forward on NXT. I know the Rock's daughter, Ava Rain, I believe her name is, made her debut as part of the Shism faction, which is just, the faction sucks, so uh, good luck to her in getting over as part of that shit, because that shit's awful, and then the real takeaway for me from Halloween Havoc on Sunday night, or Saturday night, whenever it was, I think it was Saturday night, the real takeaway for me was the video package for the returning Dominic Dijakovic, Dijak, whatever you want to call him, formerly known by, formerly known as, went by T-Bar in Retribution, this guy never really got a fair shake in WWE. Now, in NXT, he had a pretty good run. He was signed five years ago, if you can believe it, in the fall of 2017. And the only reason why I remember when he was signed was because WWE at that point was big in acquisition mode, even more so then than they were at any other point. Like, in, like from 2017 to 2018, WWE signed a lot of fucking people to NXT. When I say they, I mean Triple H. Triple H signed a lot of people to NXT. And Dominic was one of them. They had just signed Leo Rush. They had signed Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, among others. And they weren't slowing down. Dominic was one of them. Keith Lee had signed the following year in 2018. Um, But I had followed Dominic's career in Ring of Honor. He was pretty big here in the Northeast scene in late 2016, 2015. So he made a name for himself in the Northeast wrestling scene as well. And I was excited to see him in WWE. Went to NXT... Didn't really find his footing as a character. I don't even think he debuted on TV. He made his like official debut. He wrestled a few matches here and there on television in like the summer of 2018. Didn't debut as Dominic Dijakovic until late 2018, and didn't really start rolling until 2019. And the matches with Keith Lee on NXT really put him on the map. Um, he had some great matches down there with Keith Lee, Damian Priest, Karrion Cross, among others. And he was only on NXT TV, like, full-time consistently for about a year. Not really that long. And after that, obviously, he got called up to the main roster. And there were rumblings in early 2020 around COVID that he was going to be called up by Paul Heyman. Because Paul Heyman, I think, was high on him. um, Because Paul Heyman was writing Raw at the time. He was in charge of Raw, creative, whatever. And then Heyman gets fired. So instead, they do bring him up to the main roster. But he gets thrown into that awful retribution faction, which was fucking terrible. Um, everyone involved was worse off, Shane Thorne was in there, he got fired, Mia Yim was in there, she got fired, Mercedes Martinez was in there, she got fired, Mustafa Ali is still struggling to kind of rebound from that awful group, and then he was one of the members as well. And Mace, and Mace was also in there, and he's on SmackDown now, as Ma say, I guess it's better than not being on TV at all. Um, but anyway, as far as Dominic went, I mean, the guy is an amazing athlete, didn't really have a chance to showcase his skills to the main roster audience, uh, Retribution died a death by early last year, and he's remained on TV as a single star. I mean, he and Mace were still a tag team. He's still going by T Bar. I mean, he. It, it's funny because that Halloween Havoc in that vignette, he was wearing that. Stu- he wasn't wearing the dumb mask, but he took off the mask that he was wearing as T Bar and threw it in the fire. Now the interesting thing is that I think that was meant to kind of clarify before they aired the other vignette on NXT on Tuesday that it was for the former T Bar. The funny thing is that he hasn't been T-Bar as far as, I mean, he's been T-Bar ever since Retribution started, but he hasn't worn the mask in about a year or so now. He took off the mask a while ago. He's been wearing face paint, or I think he's been wearing face paint or whatever for a little bit now, and he's only been really wrestling on main event. Hasn't had any singles matches on Raw, I don't think. Um, he's made the occasional appearance on like Battle Royals and stuff like that, but hasn't had a singles match on Raw in quite some time. It was then reported by PW Insider over the summer that Triple H was considering repackaging him. And thank God they did. And honestly, putting him back in NXT isn't a bad move. Because honestly, if they brought him right back to Raw immediately, people would remember the T-bar shit, and he doesn't look all that different. He would have had to attack like a top, top star on the main roster to really for people to take him seriously. I think rehabbing him first in NXT is a smart call. Because then once he gets going and has a good run there, hopefully... Then he can make his way back to Raw or SmackDown, a lot like with Finn Balor. Now, Finn Balor was not nearly as close to being as damaged goods as T Bar was, as Dominic Dijakovic was uh, when he left for NXT in late 2019. But going back to NXT really allowed him to rebuild momentum, get his stock back up, have some awesome matches. That's what I'm hoping for for Dominic. Now, Apollo Crews hasn't lit the world on fire by any means in NXT. He's been better off in NXT lately compared to where he was on the, on the card earlier this year on the main roster with the Commander Aziz, like anyone gives a fuck. Um, but he's had a good run so far in NXT. If Dominic can have as good of a run as Apollo, if not better, I have a lot of faith that he can be rebuilt and be a star in the main roster. Now, I'm not talking world champion, but the guy is good enough for a guy his size and his mic skills are still, you know, not the greatest. Um, that I think he can be something on the main roster. So I'm hoping for the best for him in NXT. The guy's very talented. It was never really given a fair shot on the main roster to begin with many years ago as part of the whole Retribution bullshit. So I've got my fingers crossed that these video packages will bring him back to NXT TV as Dominic Dijakovic, not a new fucking name. And Dominic Dijakovic isn't even really his... I mean, that's not his real name anyway. His real name is Chris Dijak, which is honestly cooler. His name in that ring of honor was Donovan Dijak which is less of a mouthful than Dominic Dijakovic. But um, I still think he can be uh, something of value on the main roster if booked properly, so time will tell. That was Halloween Havoc from last weekend, though. Let's get to Raw from Monday as we uh, go from Raw to Dynamite and all the updates on The Elite and CM Punk and whatnot. And I also apologize for my voice not being 100% here today. I'm still recovering from screaming my lungs off on the uh, Tower of Terror Guardians of the Galaxy ride in California Adventure at Disneyland. Um, That, among other rides, I was yelling for and and stuff like that, and it was, it was great, but I lost my voice at several points, so I'm I'm still feeling the after effects of that today, Raw on Monday, I thought was a fine show, Um, didn't think it was a bad show, I mean, maybe by Triple H standards, by recent Raws in in recent months, Um, but I thought the show was okay, we opened the show with the Judgment Day and the O.C. kind of talking back and forth ahead of their upcoming six-man tag team match at Crown Jewel. In an update on Carl Anderson, by the way, who is still the technically reigning IWGP never open way champion, I think the latest update is that if he doesn't show up for their November 5th show, which is the same day as Crown Jewel, then he will be forced to vacate the championship. So I don't think there's this long storyline of like, oh, he's going to wait until Wrestle Kingdom to retain or to lose it or whatever. I mean, maybe, but it just sounds like they want him to lose the championship and be done with it and not do this long-term storytelling thing. Where he's pulling double duty in Japan and in WWE. WWE doesn't typically do stuff like that, at least not for many months at a time. That would be a nice change of pace. I don't get the sense that's gonna happen, though. I get the sense that New Japan just wants to take the belt off of him and then move forward without them involved, without writing them out or doing anything like that, which is stupid, but whatever. It would have been nice if he showed one back, you know, he showed back up in New Japan for one last time, one last appearance. And then he and Gallows got booted from the Bullet Club officially. Like, oh, why are you double-booking yourselves? Why are you flirting with AJ? Or oh, not literally, but, you know, why are you aligning yourselves with AJ Styles again? I thought I was your leader, says Jay White. And then he kicks him from the group officially, again, after they were booted uh, the first time six years ago. So, yeah, we'll see where they go with this. Um, I don't think it's really... Much more than that, but we'll see what happens. As far as the opener on Raw, Finn Balor, Carl Anderson had a very good match. The two obviously know each other very well from their New Japan days. They were the founding members of Bullet Club once upon a time, so um, I thought it was a good match to do. Finn Balor winning made sense, and I mean there was some a lot, you know, quite a bit of interference at ringside, but it was expected. The match was enjoyable. r Truth and the Miz had a match as well. The Miz was confronted by Johnny Gargano and r Truth, and Gargano said, "Listen." I know your secret, you gotta come clean about it, on the whistleblower, Miz refused, and that brought out R-Truth, who was in his hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina, so it made sense to use him in this fashion, I thought it was fine, he has history with the Miz as tag team partners from many years ago, they acknowledge that here, they acknowledge that on commentary, so, I like that. The match was whatever, um, it wasn't really meant to be much more than a throwaway match, with uh, R-Truth winning via, like, an upset win, Gargano costing Miz the victory, blah blah blah, They're still telling the story that we don't know what Miz did to Dexter Loomis. I wish they would just kind of get to the point. I know it's only been two weeks already with Gargano being involved, but you can't drag the story out for six months and pull the same shenanigans week after week. So it's been fine so far. Um, Dexter going after Miz and there being no payoff was getting old very quickly. And now we're on to the next chapter, but I hope this chapter does not last another five weeks. Hopefully we'll get the, the truth next week and not our truth, Next week on Raw. Damage control. Attack Candace Lurie backstage during a backstage sit-down interview that Candace was having with, uh, you know, Kathy Kelly, who is back in WWE, which is great. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And uh, this was good. I thought, We haven't really heard from Candace much since she returned to Raw a couple of mo- uh, about a month or so ago. So I thought this kind of allowed the universe, the, the universe, the WWE, universe, fans, whatever, to kind of... Get familiar with Candace again and kind of get to know who she is, what she's about, what her motivations are, stuff like that, before being interrupted by Damage Control. So Damage Control comes in, lays her out. I know the leading theory among fans is that Candace will end up joining Damage Control. I really don't want to see that. Honestly, if they're bringing back Becky as a babyface, could they use, I mean, I don't know. I just feel like they could use Candace on the babyface side of that division. I know they have Bianca. Becky's going to be back as a... uh as a babyface, I would assume, based off what we saw from her at SummerSlam. I've just said this before, I would much rather see Alexa Bliss back in the role of a heel, and not her necessarily joining damage control, I don't really need to see that necessarily. I think just having her be back on her own as a heel is the way to go. Now, we haven't seen Alexa or Oscar on TV in recent weeks, Bailey is boasting about putting them on the shelf and whatever. Alexa needs to be a heel. She's over as a face, people like Alexa Bliss, She's not interesting in this role. They really haven't made her interesting. She's more of a natural heel. I would much rather see her go heel than Candice LeRae, uh, uh, in my personal opinion. One of them is going heel. I think that much is obvious. They kind of play a similar character, the plucky underdog babyface, and... You know, I, it's not that they're exactly the same by any means. Oh, they both have blonde hair. That's not what I mean. Uh, I just feel like their characters, like the whole Disney princess shit, I know Candace calls herself, you know, Pixie Poison, and maybe that's why she's going heel, and that's why they haven't changed the yet, and that's the indicator she is going back heel like she was in NXT before she left last year. Um, yeah, I would just much rather see Alexa Bliss back as a heel than Candace, but that's just me. Austin Theory knocking off Mustafa Ali in a good match. Mustafa Ali, they need to do a lot more and make much more of an effort to get this guy over. They're doing a decent job so far, but it's going to take more than what we've seen so far to get this guy over because he has been so creatively damaged in the last three years from, you know, the injuries he suffered costing him a big match with Brian for the WWE title many years ago to just not having anything to do from that point forward on, on SmackDown. He did nothing on SmackDown in the remainder of 2019. He was taken off TV after that for a good seven months, even before COVID. He was doing absolutely nothing. He was sitting on his ass at home for a while. And then he came back and was a part of Retribution. And, or he actually came back as a babyface, did nothing again, joined Retribution, and then Retribution was awful. He remained on TV for the remainder of 2021. Again, did nothing, asked for his release, taken off television, wasn't brought back until a few months ago. And, uh, now he's still not really doing a whole ton. So, I mean, he is involved in the Rollins rivalry, but it just, I don't know. I'm not really sure what it's going to take to get this guy over. Maybe just a strong showing and defeat against Rollins or Crown Jewel. If that's where this is headed. They might be saving it for a future Raw. They might be saving it for Survivor Series. It may not necessarily happen at Crown Jewel. Crown Jewel is next weekend, actually. We'll do a show on Thursday, next Thursday. So we'll do predictions then. They still have time to add the match to the card. Usually, by now, they'll have a complete card for the show. I mean, let's look at it right now. I'm pretty sure they're not done adding matches. Let's see. Crown Jewel 2022. Let's see how many matches they have. Coming up next Saturday afternoon. So, yeah, we have five matches right now. They could add a sixth one. Currently, we have Roman Reigns and Logan Paul for the title. The OC versus The Judgment Day. Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley. Braun Strowman versus Elmas, And Drew McIntyre versus Karrion Cross. In a steel cage match. We have no women's matches. So I don't think they're going to add Rollins and Ali, to be honest. I feel like they might have six matches, as they have for other recent pay-per-views, as they did for Clash, as they did for um, Extreme Rules. I think it's going to be another six-match card. They'll do Rollins and Ali maybe on the Raw after Crown Jewel or save it for Survivor Series. The feed could use more time to build. Uh, we need a women's match on this show. Uh, whether it be Bianca and Bailey. Two for the title, or three technically, because they've had you know uh, two matches since Bayley's been back, or I don't really know what you do for the SmackDown title. Ronda's the champion. She hasn't appeared in person yet on the show, so maybe we'll find out tonight. I'm not sure. Um, I would think they'll add a women's match, and I know it's a Saudi show, and they're kind of weird about the women on their shows, but we've had women's matches in Saudi for the last couple of Saudi shows. I would assume this will be no different. Um, They just have to make the match official. So, back to my original point, I don't think they'll add Ali and Rollins to that show. They'll probably just save it for Raw or Survivor Series, but we'll see. Uh, The Omas squash was what it was Elias versus Chad Gable. No one gave a shit. It was a fine, perfectly fine match as far as being well wrestled. Um, I'm not a big fan of Elias being paired off with Riddle. I just don't think that's a great idea. We talked a little bit about it last week here on the show with RJ, but. Riddle coming off a big pay-per-view main event win over Rollins, and I know Bray Wyatt's return was really the main event of that show, let's be honest. But still, he beat Rollins in the fight pit at Extreme Rules, then he loses to Rollins in a rematch last week on Raw for the United States Championship, and now he's doing something with Elias. I just feel like that's a waste of what Elias, or rather what Riddle can do at this current point as a single star in a serious role, so hopefully at some point we'll see a little bit more from him than what we've seen so far. Um, Baron Corbin and Johnny Gargano had a perfectly fine match. Um, I thought they worked well together. Again, I enjoy the chemistry. I think they can have even a better match, but the crowd just did not seem to give a shit. Corbin's only been back for two weeks. Gargano is still in the process of being established. I was fine with the result, and I would like to see a full-fledged feud from these two at some point. I just think the dynamic and everything else about this feud, they have good chemistry, so I think there is more to it there. Um, This kind of felt like a backdrop for The Miz and Gargano stuff. Um, To kind of further that feud and give Miz something over Gargano after Miz lost earlier in the show. Um, but Corbin is doing fine so far with JBL as his manager. And then in the main event, Bailey and Bianca Belair. Now, not for the Raw Women's Championship. This was a non-title match. They had a great match. The crowd did not give a single shit. The crowd could not have given two fucks about um, Bailey versus Bianca, which... Again, it wasn't the most thrilling three hours, which is why I say I don't blame the crowd entirely for being quiet. But for a match like this, I mean, they could have given it a little bit more enthusiasm than they did. And they weren't quiet for everything on the show. But with Bianca being a big star and Bailey being as established as she is, I'm surprised this cor- uh, this this crowd was as quiet as they were for this match. But it was very well wrestled. I thought they worked well together, as they said for other matches on the show. Bailey winning is fine. Uh, I'm not always super high on the champions losing non title matches, but they don't do it too often nowadays. This made sense. And I mean, there were a lot of fucking distraction finishes on this show, interference finishes. We had a lot of them on this show. If you do a couple to further feuds, it makes sense. When you have as many as you do on a three hour show, it gets very old very quickly. So, not a big fan of that. But I did think that they had good chemistry to set up a third match, probably for the Raw Women's Championship very likely at either Crown Jewel or Survivor Series or whatever it might be. Uh, The big kicker here is that they had Nikki Cross interfere at the end, having her return not as Nikki Ash but as Nikki Cross, no mask, back to being seemingly the crazy character she was before she became Nikki Ash about a year ago. That's the positive to all of this, if they can kind of keep the momentum there with her as Nikki Cross, have her go back to what she was about a year ago. That's the key because the Nikki Ash shit was just terrible. It did nothing for her career. Uh, she was a tag team champion, cool, no one cared. The, cre- the character died a death a while ago, and I've said since its start, it was over with the younger demographic early on, and I applaud her idea for being approved by Vince at that point, but it, it just never really had any staying power, and I'm honestly shocked it lasted as long as it did. Um, will she be a force in the Raw Women's Championship picture? Maybe. I mean, I've seen some people say maybe they built a triple threat, Bianca, Bailey, Nikki, triple threat, maybe that's how Bianca retains is by pinning Nikki. I mean, I guess I could tell you this, though. This crowd did not give a shit about Nikki coming out. Just because we've only really seen her as an undercarder up this point. So I'm kind of hoping that going forward, once they rebrand her, reestablish her, make her a heel, they can keep her in that role going forward and continue to push her as a serious threat to that championship in time. This was a fine return. It was cool to see her back, back as Nikki Cross. Corey Graves acknowledged her history as Crazy Nikki Cross, which is a positive. Um, It's going to take a lot more, like I said with Ali earlier, to get people to give a fuck about Nikki Cross again, so this was step one. Maybe not doing it as the main event would have been better, because it seemed like the crowd just didn't give a shit. Um, but again, this was a step in the right direction. Bailey winning was necessary, and we'll see when they set up the third match. Very likely, I would assume a Crown Jewel, since Crown Jewel does not currently have any women's matches on the card. As far as Dynamite on Wednesday, the big story going into the show was really, which seems to be a recurring, you know, uh, a recurring case at this point with Dynamite, as far as all the stories kind of happening before the show even goes on the air. This one revolving around Punk and the Elite. Now, the latest update is that Punk is very likely on his way out of the company. Uh, they're looking to do a buyout of his contract, not because Punk wants to leave. Um, I'm not sure he would be too keen on apologizing for his actions anyway from about a month ago at Brawl Out, as they call it. But still, we'll see what happens from here. I'm not 100% convinced he's gone until he's gone. It's one of those seeing, it is believing sort of things. Um, but with this, it seems like he is as good as gone from the company per reports that, you know, Jericho had some pretty stern things to say to Punk after the brawlout thing happened last month. Um, just the nature of what went down in the fight itself in the locker room, what he said during the media scrum. It's hard to imagine at this point after everything we've seen and heard about the situation from all sides. And I mean, they're not speaking out about it, but, you know, legally they can't currently. But just from what we know and what we, what's we what been reported, it sure does seem like based on the locker room morale towards Punk currently that he is not going to be welcomed back with open arms. So even if Tony Khan weren't to fire him, like with Jeff Hardy, for example. Jeff Hardy, I assume, will be back at some point. He's currently suspended for being involved in yet another fucking DUI over the summer. Um, it doesn't sound like he you know, has heat for when he comes back, which, I mean, for what he did was pretty fucking dumb. I mean, this was a different story. It just doesn't sound like there's a situation here where they can hold on to Punk and it's going to end well for the locker room and wanting him back. So he probably is as good as gone from AEW. Uh, As far as the Elite go, they did air a vignette. Again, this was one of the more interesting aspects of the show from Wednesday. They aired a vignette um, indicating that the Elite will be back soon. And it wasn't like a hype package. It was more so showing shots and video clips of them starting AEW and stuff like that. And then they would be erased from each shot. So like when they showed the Bucks and Omega um, with their titles from, I don't know, about a year ago or whatever, they were like being slowly faded out, along with the Elite part of the AEW logo. So I don't know what that means for their return as far as what they do when they come back. All we know is that they're on their way back. They will be back at some point soon. Um, Maybe they'll acknowledge this sort of stuff and the Elite is done. Maybe, maybe Adam Page gets involved again. He's not doing much right now. I mean, he got fucking concussed last week. So maybe that's where this is headed. Um, the elite versus undisputed elite storyline is dead in the water. I mean, Cole's hurt, Kyle O'Reilly's hurt, Bobby Fish is gone. So, I mean, that whole feud unfortunately fell apart, and we're not going to get a proper conclusion to that, which sucks. Um, I've seen people say and I read reports that they did sign the kingdom. Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, uh, two, you know, great tag team guys and two guys that, that have had a lot of success in recent years in Ring of Honor and recently in Impact as well. Um, They could be AEW bound. They could be signing full-time deals if they haven't already. So, as I've seen other people say, I've been thinking about this for a while, it would be very easy if Cole gets cleared at some point and Kyle O'Reilly's still out for Cole to enlist the kingdom into kind of reunite the kingdom from Ring of Honor. Now, Matt Hardy was a part of the faction as well. I don't know if they want Matt Hardy in another heel faction. He was just in one with the AHFO, whatever the fuck that shit was, and that was terrible. So, maybe not. But just Taven... Bennett and Cole would be interesting enough, and they worked great together in Ring of Honor years ago, so I would be perfectly fine with that. But um, back to my original point, which I don't remember what it was. Oh, as far as the Elite goes, maybe they'll do something with that, whatever. As far as Punk goes and his future going forward, as I mentioned, it seems like he's as good as gone from AEW based on reports from Fightful Select, Meltzer, PW Insider. They're looking to buy out his contract, pay him for what the rest of his contract was whenever... It was scheduled to be up, I don't know, two or three years from now, I'm not sure, and then just be done with them and move on. And I had seen, as other people have speculated, that it would have a non-compete included, which would indicate that they're well aware that WWE may try to get a piece of punk and want him back in WWE at some point. Is it possible? Honestly, stranger things have happened. Considering this is the same calendar year where Cody Rhodes went from a company he started in AEW back to WWE within a matter of months, Anything is possible. Now, CM Punk has far more animosity towards his former employer than Cody Rhodes ever did um, when he went from AEW to WWE. There's a lot more baggage there with Punk, and that's just one thing. But would Punk be willing to work through that to have one last run in WWE? It's possible. Honestly, at this point, do I see it happening? Yes or no? The answer is probably no. Could it happen? Absolutely. But not just from the fact that Punk would have to get over his own you know, personal issues with WWE, which there is quite a bit of, I mean, he still talks shit about them in interviews ever pretty much since he came back to um, AEW, he's not a fan of the product, he doesn't think Triple H taking over makes much of a difference, which it definitely has, but whatever, um, I, I can't see him immediately going back, I know Punk has said some shit and whatever, uh, or Cody Rhodes said some shit, that was more so because he, you know, loved Triple H um, I mean, he he's mentioned this before, that he talked a lot of trash about WWE, and some of it he didn't mean. He just wanted to rile people up. Punk, it seems like he has actual bad blood of the company. Would he go back to WWE? It's very possible. I just don't see it happening. Not only given his own personal history and established issues that he has with WWE, but also because they may not even want him. They may not even view him as being worth the headache, worth the hassle of bringing him back. Especially if the talent in AEW don't want him back. I can't imagine the locker room in WWE for all the shit that he said about them in recent years specifically in the last year since he's been in AEW would go over all too well in WWE so you know I could always see a Hall of Fame induction down the road for Punk I've always said that I think he I've always said he will be back in some form or fashion more likely than not in a non-wrestling role it seems like he is done in AEW it's it's gonna be hard to you know just based on the talent's own feelings towards him to kind of heal those wounds and whatnot, and he he may not even want to, I mean, I can't see him going around everyone and apologizing for what he did if he didn't feel sorry about doing it, uh, as far as what he said before the brawl even happened, and putting a black eye on the company, but yeah, I just, as far as the WWE run goes, it's just hard to imagine that's where they're going to be going with this, as far as Um, him getting over his issues with the company, and them wanting him back. I mean, he would be a big name that they can use for sure. Um, But just coming off all the bad publicity that the AEW stuff did, Cody Rhodes was never involved in anything like that in AEW. I mean, it seemed like he was a locker room leader, and them getting him was a big coup for WWE because he helped start AEW. Punk would be a big coup for them as well, but the difference there is that he's coming off a very awful ending to his AEW run. We probably have very likely seen the last of Punk in a wrestling ring as far as you know, in-ring action goes, he can come back and do something else as a commentator, be in the Hall of Fame, as I mentioned, but as far as him wrestling again, that was probably his last run, and he cut it short because of his own, you know, idiotic actions at All Out and everything else that's happened with him since then, um, as far as, you know, what he said during the media scrum and everything else coming out about, you know, the, the brawl itself and allegations and shit, and, and shit like that, so... It's hard to see that this can uh, be ending up being a positive for anyone that's a fan of Punk as far as seeing him compete again, but it seems like those those days are over, and he's probably uh, going back to doing commentary for UFC or whatever the fuck he was doing previously. So uh, kind of a disappointing ending to that saga as far as his AEW run goes because he came back and had an awesome first run in AEW, and then it had to end the way that it did, which is uh, super disappointing. As far as the show itself goes as we wind down here, the opening match, Claudio castagnoli wheeler to knocking off uh, Jericho and uh, Daniel Garcia. Good match here. I thought Claudio pinning Jericho was the right call. Very likely setting up a rematch for the Ring of Honor World Championship at some point. I know Jericho's advertised to face a former Ring of Honor World Champion next week on the show. I assume if it was Claudio, then they would just have it, you know, just announce it as Claudio when they were running in the card for next week. Um, I don't think it will be Claudio. They're probably saving that for full gear. Next week will likely be an outsider. Because so far, I mean, anyone that Jericho has faced... As champ, I mean, they've all been. I don't know. Bandito had to be. They advertised that one in advance. That wasn't an open challenge. I feel like they are going to bring in someone from either another company or just. I don't know. There are a few people in AEW who could be. I mean, Matt Taven's in the, the company now, but I'm not sure that would be worth the uh, the mystery. You know, uh, announcing it as as a mystery opponent for uh, for Jericho. So, and he's a heel anyway. Cole's a former Ring of Honor World Champion. He's her Lethal's a heel, he's facing Darby Allin next week anyway, Roosh maybe, but again he's a heel, probably not, Samoa Joe's a possibility, um, I wouldn't give that away as a fucking open challenge, I would do that as a, a pay-per-view match or a big match advertised in advance, Claudio is possible, but again why not just announce that, I'm thinking it's someone that we haven't seen in AEW yet, someone like an Eddie Edwards who's currently in Impact and AEW and Impact have worked together before. I mean, we saw W. Morrissey when he was still in Impact appear on Dynamite earlier this year, as well as Deanna Perrazzo. So they can do that and use stars from Impact and, and whatever works. Motor City Machine Guns being another prime example, too. They use Motor City Machine Guns for the All Out pay per view in September. So, with that being said, I could certainly see it being someone like Eddie Edwards, who's currently a heel in Impact, but I mean, AEW, I doubt, cares. Um, Davey Richards is a possibility. I think that'd be fucking cool. He's currently in MLW. Uh, Maybe they can give MLW a shout-out. Maybe he comes out with this championship that I think he currently still holds in MLW. So uh, I'm thinking it might be Eddie Edwards or Davey Richards. There are other people it could be. He's already beaten and faced uh, Bandito. He's already faced and beaten Dalton Castle. Jonathan Gresham, I'm not sure many people would care. I know his run seemingly ended on a sour note anyway um, after Death Before Dishonor a few months ago. And we really haven't heard much from him since. I think he's still wrestling. I don't think he retired as people thought he might. I think he's still active with like GCW and shit like that. So I would be surprised if it was him. I think Jericho and Gresham could have a good match. But um, Gresham's AEW Ring of Honor run didn't exactly go smoothly. So I'm not too sure how likely that is. Just to be brought back in to lose. I'm not sure he would even agree to do that. So we'll see. Um, Swerve and our glory knocked off FTR to become the number one contenders to the Ring of Honor tag team or the AEW rather World Tag Team titles. Uh, very good match here. This kind of played out the way that I thought it would with the Gun Club costing um, FTR the win and Swerve cheating to pick up the victory. Uh, Keith Lee picked up the winning fall but it was Swerve who hit the low blow and Keith well, when Keith wasn't looking. So the storytelling with Keith and Swerve has been well done. I am ready for the split. Um, people are going to be tired. Oh, yet another match between the Acclaimed and Swerve and our glory but I mean, the first two matches were terrific, and then closing it out the trilogy with a great match of full gear is the way to go. Um, obviously, FTR, or rather, the Acclaimed retain the titles, and uh, we'll see what happens from there. FTR are obviously headed for a match with the Gun Club like anyone gives a fuck, so um, that's going to be happening soon, which is why they didn't win here. Maybe they challenge for the championships after Swerve in our glory. I wouldn't necessarily do that, um, just because I would have them be the team to ultimately beat the Acclaimed very likely. Um, but hopefully they they aren't you know they can retain a recurring role on TV because they really haven't been on TV a whole lot up until like recent weeks which is good. Uh, Renee Paquette interviewed MJF who just talked about his actions from last week and hyping up the match with Moxley at full gear, further teasing a face turn here which we'll get to at the end. Brian Danielson knocking off Sammy Guevara in a very good match uh, one of those first time ever encounters I was looking forward to coming into Brian's AEW run and it delivered. Um, you know they're teasing tension within the Black Bull Combat Club right now. I'm not really sure what's next as far as that goes, but there have been ideas that maybe Regal ultimately turns heel with MJF and they beat Moxley for the championship at full gear. That would be very possible and I would be very much in favor of that, honestly. I think Regal and MJF as a heel pairing would be fucking awesome and uh, it would give MJF something to do, Regal something to do. I guess that would lead to the end of Black Bull Combat Club. I mean, the name's after fucking named after uh, Regal, who's from Blackpool, so I'm not sure if they would keep the name or not, but anyway, um, I thought this, uh, you know, Danielson-Sammy match was good, as far as the tension goes, they're probably building to Danielson versus Yuta, which I don't think they've done yet, I thought they did, I know Yuta faced Moxley three times, I'm not sure, if I think Danielson did face Yuta at one point, yeah, he must have, because I know they did Danielson, and, uh, they were supposed to do Danielson and, uh, Kendrick at one point, the Brian Kendrick, and then, you know, whatever happened with him, and they put you in the spot, so they had a good match back then, maybe they're building to a rematch, anyway, uh, Jamie Hayter knocking off Riho, which was a pleasant surprise, I was worried that Riho might beat Hader because Riho just came back, and they were setting her up to face Tony Storm for the Women's Championship, thankfully, that does not appear to be the case, and maybe Hayter gets the shot instead, at, um, at Storm's Championship, the next show, which would be nice, And then the main event, John Moxley retaining the championship, his AEW world title against Penta El Zero Miedo. Uh, Another very good match here that the finish was never really in doubt due to the fact that it was extremely predictable. Moxley was not losing the championship, let alone to fucking Penta at this point. Uh, It was a good match, though. And then they closed out the show with MJF being beat down by the firm after he fired Stokely Hathaway uh, from, you know, being his stable on retainer, so... I'm still thinking MJF goes heel. I've seen people say, oh, maybe he can be a babyface. And I think, I've said before, we talked about it here on the show last week, I think he is ultimately destined to be a babyface in the long run. I just wouldn't necessarily do it right now. I think that's something you save for later on down the road. And in the meantime, you can tease it, but not go full all the way with it. The whole co- can they coexist bullshit is awful. I wouldn't really do that again. Um, they probably will, Whatever. But yeah, I think MJF goes heel a lot like when Kenny Omega turned heel and beat Moxley um, for the championship two years ago. I see them going in a very similar direction, and MJF is uh, his, his Don Callis is William Regal, which would be a very significant upgrade. So uh, yeah, I think that's where this is going. I thought the, the closing angle was interesting. The crowd didn't really give a shit because the firm has no fucking heat. They're just a group that doesn't matter. Um, I, I would hope that he doesn't continue to link up with the firm. The firm is just such a pointless fucking group. I would wish they just never did it in the first place. Maybe they could just do away with it. Who knows? Uh, I'm I'm fine. Like, maybe he staged the assault. Maybe he gets beat up on purpose, and he's actually with them. That's also very possible. I hope they don't go that route. I think that stuff is always so dumb. Like, he took a pretty brutal beating. So to say that he paid them off to do that is pretty stupid. Um, But if he ends up being aligned with Regal, that, to me, would be perfectly fine and would make sense. So that was Dynamite in a nutshell from Wednesday. Overall, a fine show, and... Hopefully next week's editions of Raw and Dynamite are a little bit more exciting as we get back to our regularly scheduled programming ahead of uh, Crown Jewel on Saturday and Full Gear coming up in mid-November, and then Survivor Series at the end of the month. So um, a lot to look forward to in the month of November. New episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single week on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, Play- uh, Pandora, Podbean, and Amazon Music, you can rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show, and never miss a new episode every single Thursday or Friday, depending on the week. Have a great one, guys. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews. We'll be back with Mr. Marcel, I believe, next week to break down Raw, Dynamite, and Preview Crown Jewel, as I mentioned earlier. And have an awesome rest of your week. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews, and I'll catch your ass down the road.